Hi, my name is Nina Bosky, and I'm the host of a special investigation series of Maryland Behind the Icon during the 60th anniversary of the star's death, where we'll look into the mystery and break down for you, the audience, of what the facts are versus the lies around the star that have been plaguing her for over six decades. We have some of the top Maryland experts with me on the panel. Gary Vitaco Robles, icon, lifetimes in films of Marilyn Monroe, and April Via Via, now Chambers, Marilyn Monroe, A Day in the Life, and Donald McGovern, Murder Orthodoxies, a non-conspiracy view of Marilyn Monroe's death. Each week, we will break down for you what is fact, what is probable theory, and what is outlandish rumor. Hi, everyone. Now that we've laid the foundation for the rumor mill with Jack Clemens, Frank Capel, Norman Mailer, Robert Slatzer, and even Jeannie Carmen, who are responsible for igniting the rumor mill during the first 10 to 20 years after Monroe's passing. But now let's go back to Mark Shaw's book, Collateral Damage. The connection between the mysterious deaths of motion picture screen siren Marilyn Monroe, President John F. Kennedy, and What's My Line TV star, gossip, and investigative reporter Dorothy Kilgallen. Well, this episode is loaded because we have actor Johnny Russo, who claims to be part of the mob, as well as he was also an actor in the Godfather movies, and now decades later gets into the rumor mill, going on national TV, getting lots of press as he wrote a book too about his own life in which he talks about sleeping with Marilyn Monroe and claims that he had a multi-year affair with the star when he was just a teen. But Mr. Russo... It's time you get your facts straight, even within your own interviews that seem to contradict each other. I also don't think he knew what he was up against when you have researchers who have decades of material and facts around Marilyn Monroe. These researchers can tell you where Marilyn was, what she wore, what she ate, and most of all, who she was with. And all people have to do is actually look for the truth. Donald, who is Johnny Russo? Uh, Johnny Russo is a former actor who starred as Carlo Rizzi in the 1972 movie, The Godfather. He was in the sequel as well. I think 2006, he gave an interview to Howard Stern And that's when he started telling his yarn about his affair with Marilyn and many other things. But he's basically a former actor. Yeah. And he also has a lot of contradictions. Well, his story changed constantly. It's kind of like an amoeba. I have two newspaper articles, for example, that clearly indicate that Russo was a pizza clerk during his adolescence. According to the Akron Beacon Journal, an article written by Jerry Parker, he claimed he spent most of his teenage years working long hours behind a pizza counter in Staten Island. And then when he was 18 years old, he was laying bricks on Staten Island as well. He, he never mentioned his relationship with Marilyn or the fact that he was a mobster. 
Another story in, in 72 in the Oil City Derrick basically covered many of the same things in the Akron Beacon. But to give you an idea of the kind of man Russo is, he told Margot Coleman, who wrote the article, that his uh, air conditioning and heating company had been given $9 million in contracts to put in new air conditioning in, I believe, the yeah MGM Hotel in Las Vegas. When that was fact-checked, it turned out not to be true, that the a Dallas firm called Continental Mechanical had those contracts. So the so, man is, well. You know, Gary, I'm going to throw this one to you because I know when we were talking about this, I had actually um, was listening on audiobook to Johnny Russo's book. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like the average Joe thinking, okay, wait a minute, Marilyn was this age and he says he was that age. Why in the world is it not necessarily factual that Marilyn Monroe and Johnny Russo could not have had an affair? Well, he says that he began the affair when he was 16 and she was 23, but he was born in December of 1943, at which time Marilyn would have been 17 at the time. <laughs> you know, she didn't turn 23 until um, 1949. Then he says that he met Marilyn when she was 33 in New York, when she was married to Arthur Miller and living on East 57th Street. So he claims that he was invited to her home at uh, the Waldorf Astoria uh, to shampoo her hair. So Marilyn never lived at the Waldorf Astoria. She did live in 1956 at the Waldorf Towers, which is attached to the hotel, but it's a, a residential building. And Marilyn at the time in the late 50s, her hair was being styled by Kenneth Battelle. And he was at Elizabeth Arden Salon, where Marilyn was photographed multiple times by Milton Green. Then he moved to Helena Rubinstein. And then he was with the Lily Dache Salon, at which time he styled Monroe's hair for the JFK birthday gala. And then he eventually opened up his own salon in New York. But that's the man who did Monroe's hair. And, and doesn't it, Don, doesn't it seem a little odd? Marilyn Monroe, she certainly didn't make any qualms about her sexuality, but I can't imagine, particularly being in the time of Arthur Miller, seducing or ha being seduced by a 16 or 17-year-old from a salon that Marilyn did not actually frequent. What's your thoughts on that? I don't think Marilyn would get involved in a sexual relationship with a 16-year-old boy, no. But he makes the claim, though, in his book, it's kind of like all the big celebrity people and stuff. And it was like a solace of her loneliness in which, you know, when he would come to the Waldorf Astoria, basically saying that she was the best lover and then he wasn't she wasn't a great lover at all. So let's speak to that as well. Well, he claims uh, told once again the shock jock that uh, Marilyn was a great lover. And then he, he contradicted himself and said she wasn't a great lover because she was like a child, basically, is what he said. And he also told the shock jock that Marilyn was beautiful at age 33. And then he turned right around and said that when she was in her 20s, she wasn't very attractive because she was fat. I, some of this stuff, it just makes you, it makes you wonder, right? I mean, it really does, you know, when you sit there and you think about this stuff. Um, and so I think what makes this man so damning of him is that he offers as evidence of his association with Monroe a photograph. And so the photograph that he offers, they are available online. They were published many years ago. They're photographs of Monroe 
at the Cal Naval Lodge the last weekend in July 1962, just prior to her death. And Monroe was photographed with Peter Lawford and Frank Sinatra and the singer Buddy Greco. And there's also an image of her with two young men. And Mr. Uh, Russo claims to be one of the two young men, but he claims to be the man in the photograph who's only visible by the back of his head and I believe his right ear. So he doesn't even produce a photograph of a face that he's claiming is him. And this photograph has been circulated on the internet for, I would say, at least 10 to 15 years. And I know Donald interviewed a source who's possibly the person who took the series of photographs in 1962. So let me just say this. Cal Neva is a very controversial and very convoluted story. So if you talk to one person, they might tell you one thing. You talk to another one, they'll tell you another thing. It's really hard to break down. Again, fact, probable theory, outlandish rumor. Any comments on this, April, as well? Yeah, the the Cal Neva story, it changes based off of who's relaying what happened. And it's never anyone who's actually there. It's always a friend of a friend of a friend or, you know, someone's second cousin's best friend's uncle. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's always just very, very convoluted. And no one can ever agree on exactly what happened. But then people who are actually there say, you know, it wasn't the best weekend, but nothing like what people have claimed. And so the challenge becomes, and this is for everybody, we can't air them right now, but uh, they're certainly out there, but there are tapes of Calneva and people that were there as well. And a lot of this uh, story that Johnny Russo is claiming, you actually start to understand from what Donald Source is that's still alive that claims this, and also on these tapes that are also going to come forward, that Johnny Russo doesn't really know what he's talking about. He's telling a good story, which is fine, but it's not necessarily the truth. He claimed the photograph was taken by Sam Giancana, and I was told by this source who was actually there that Sam Giancana wasn't at Calneva, and there were no mobsters there. And all of the stories that have been told about what happened to Marilyn are false. Nothing bad happened to Marilyn. At least that's what I was told. Well, and here's the thing. As as these tapes start to come forward with people that uh, were interviewed decades ago, you're going to start from the waitress to other people that are also going to talk about the fact that the mob was not present there. Also, you have to realize that Sam Giacana couldn't necessarily make himself also very present in terms of uh, of being there. He might have been in the in the cabins in the tunnels, but he wasn't going to make himself known. But Gary, wasn't he either banned from it or something was going on during that time as well? He was banned because of his legal issues. He wasn't allowed in a casino and that lodge has a casino, which I believe is on the Nevada side and not the uh, California, because the state line cuts through this swimming pool of the lodge and he wouldn't have been allowed in the casino. The lodge itself at the time was owned by Frank Sinatra. And the reason that we know Marilyn was there was because Dean Martin, her co-star in Something's Got to Give, was performing that weekend and the performance was being recorded for an LP. And so she was there uh, supporting her co-star. So we also have Johnny Russo asserting that Robert Kennedy was at Lake Tahoe during the weekend of July 28th. Donald, you want to take this one? Yeah, I just have newspaper articles which clearly state where Robert Kennedy was, and he wasn't in Tahoe. He was on the East Coast. Can we say one thing? The authors that 
come up with these stories in these books, it would be in their best interest to get a subscription to newspapers.com because then <laughs> they would be able to find some factual base for the whereabouts of the people that they're writing about. Well, and let me just say this. If he was on the West Coast on that day, it would have been a little bit more easy to go. You know, you can come and go kind of thing. And sometimes the press and the newspapers don't know what these politicians do. They have a lot of things off the record. I want to say that. But there's no way, given what was going on in his life, because it wasn't he in L.A., um, the 26th, is that? He was there. That- yeah, he was he was delivering a speech to the National Insurance Association in Los Angeles and was photographed there and the speeches archived. Yes. As well. And then he goes to the East Coast to come back to the West Coast and not be spotted would be really, really challenging. Bobby Kennedy's plane that day didn't land until after 1115 p.m. on July the 26th. And um, the reason I know that is because it's memorialized in an FBI file because Bobby Kennedy's life had been threatened and they were concerned because his plane was late. The next day, he probably spent five and a half or six hours in the air going back to Washington. Shaw tries to say that, that Marilyn and Bobby Kennedy were together for two days during that time, which they could not have been. There's a lot of documentation now talking about Calneva. We're certainly going to break it down in our series, too, so people can actually understand who the players are. The challenge with it is, is 60 years later, you can make up whatever you want to make up and who's alive to tell the truth, right? Now, think about it in terms of common sense. He's either on the 26th, he's on the West Coast, then he flies back to the East Coast. He's got a very short amount of time. The press is going to be all eyes on Bobby Kennedy. For him to then get on a plane and go to the West Coast would be really challenging to do that under the radar. And I think you have to understand that from that time period. It's not like he was in the same city on the same coast, and he has a lot of things that he has to do. So it doesn't make logical sense. And nobody saw him at Calneva. That weekend was also the First Lady's birthday celebration. And so the president, Robert Kennedy, his wife, and other members of the Kennedy clan, they were all on Nantucket Sound celebrating Jacqueline Kennedy's birthday. And that was reported extensively by the Associated Press. So basically, Gianni Russo was once again told a big fib. I'll put it that way. That's very gracious of you, Donald. But let me just say this, is that the bottom line is there's not a lot of facts it's not even a probable theory. It's actually an outlandish rumor on this one. April, you want to add anything before we move on? You know, a lot of people underestimate exactly how long it took to fly across the country in 1962. And uh, as you point out, Nina and Don and Gary, all of you point out, Bobby Kennedy's whereabouts are pretty well documented. And that's not to say that things didn't happen that weren't documented by the press, but not him flying across the country. They weren't taking air force one so he had to fly commercial i think sometimes we like the good story so we don't even question whether it's true or not and doesn't make logical sense it doesn't and you're going to start to see and hear people that were there unfortunately you know there's people that don't want to be uh, recognized because they don't want all the press and they don't want all the attention as well but there is a lot of documentation that really speaks to it but just look at the logic of this doesn't make a lot of sense it's all hearsay So there you have it. It's a wrap for this week's episode. When we have shared with you all these lies being told around Marilyn Monroe that just add to this cultural belief about the star. 
I'd like to thank the expert panel once again. Next week, we'll be introducing the beginning of the discussion when Mark Shaw claims an affair between Bobby Kennedy and Marilyn Monroe. But is it based on fact or fiction? You'll find out. Let the truth be known.